I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome into a special edition of the Yards After College podcast powered by KSLSports.com. I'm your host, Kyle Ireland. You're joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. I'm pleased to be joined today by a National Sports Writer of the Year. He's an author of multiple books, as well as the must-read article of the week if you're an NFL fan. That's Peter King's Football Morning in America. He's the one and only Peter King of NBC Sports. Peter, thanks so much for joining me today. Good to be on with you, Kyle. How are you? I'm doing well. I uh, I had to get you on because we're under a month now until the NFL draft. And you know that Zach Wilson's just been the talk of the NFL for the last week. Well, up until today, at least, because today we had Justin Fields and Mac Jones with their pro days. But we had Zach Wilson's last week. And I wanted to get you on because about a month ago, you had Zach Wilson. You had a conversation with him for your uh, Football Morning in America article. And I guess we can start off there. What was your biggest impression coming away with that conversation that you had with Zach? And, you know, what were some of the things that you kind of took away from him? Well, I think uh, one of the things that seems pretty admirable about Zach Wilson is that, uh, you know, a year ago he was, uh, you know, he was in big trouble, basically. (laughs) He he might not be the quarterback of Brigham Young anymore, even though he obviously had been a starter in 2019. Uh, But uh, he goes into 2020 and his coaches tell him, you're going to be competing for the starting job. You're not guaranteed anything. You know, he has the sort of crummy end of the year, the bowl game in Hawaii. um, And he's just, you know, he's trying to do a little bit too much. And I think what we've learned a little bit since then is that, uh, you know, obviously he had surgery for the torn labrum in January of 19. And then beyond that, uh, he breaks a bone in his hand, uh, I think in October. And so honestly, it was, he told me never really was right the whole year and he didn't play very well. So, um, I think a year ago at this time, nobody was expecting Zach Wilson even to be in the draft, never mind to be the the guy who was going to be the second or third player picked in it. So um, I think I think now when you look at uh, what Zach Wilson did with himself, uh, he said, look, I'm going to 
I'm going to do everything humanly possible to uh, make myself a great player in this offseason. And nobody has beaten me out for this job. So obviously, you know, as I wrote uh, a month ago, uh, maybe seven or eight times in the course of the offseason, he got in his car in Provo and drove, uh, you know, 700 miles or whatever it was, 680 miles to Orange County, California. And he worked with John Beck for a weekend or longer, uh, his quarterback coach. And I think he believes that that has been a huge part of, uh, you know, what has happened and how he's gotten better. So, so I guess my overriding thought about Zach is just that, you know, he, he saw that he was sort of in crisis or that, um, you know, his career basically was under attack and who knows what was going to happen. And so he has made himself, uh, you know, with the help from his coaches at BYU and obviously from uh, John Beck, you know, he's made himself into what he is today. And I think, you know, Kyle, I, I think everybody in the NFL is going to have skepticism about a guy who, against a pretty good schedule, was mediocre in 2019 and against a lousy schedule was great in 2020. And uh, probably his big showcase game against Coastal Carolina, he lost. And so everybody might say, well, you know, he he just – there's not enough there. We don't want to make another Mitchell Trubisky mistake where people may see one really good year. And, and but I, you know, I think I probably, and I, and again, I, I'm not saying that those people are wrong, but I probably come down more on the side of he's a real talented player who is just reaching sort of the apex of his ability. And, you know, and I wrote about this when I wrote about Zach a month ago, but the throw in, you know, in the final minute of the game at Coastal Carolina, which he threw 42 yards in the air, uh, just abs- an absolute bullet uh, that was complete that basically gave them a chance down the stretch. You know, that throw is a throw that many people in the NFL have spoken about with John Beck. And that is a throw. Um, if he didn't have that throw on his resume, I don't want to make too much of it. But that is the kind of throw that if you can make that throw consistently, and who's to say he can, but if you make that throw consistently, you're going to have a long and profitable career in the NFL. So you've got the tape, obviously, all these games. He's got three years or two and a half years as a starter now. And then you've got his pro day, which everybody was ooing and eyeing about on Friday. You've got his interviews with these teams. Uh, you wrote about how even like the Jacksonville Jaguars had had multiple calls with him. Y- you take all these things into account. Does the tape rule all? Is it only about the game film when it comes down to it in the end? Is that the most important thing? Or, you know, does his I pro think, day really uh, have think, that much impact? I think what you'll what you'll find from people who – go to pro days is that that's it's a piece of the puzzle 
But I think you got to be really, really careful about overvaluing pro days. I mean, I, I, I was thinking about that the other day when, um, or, you know, whatever day at his pro day and, and how everybody was going crazy about it. And the one only point I, I was, I was going to make was I've never heard anybody, you know, four or five, six years into a really good NFL career. I've never heard people talk about him and say, yep, that's what we saw at his pro day. It isn't that it's, you know, this is what we saw when we saw him play games, you know, at Brigham Young. So throwing the ball against air is nice and, and meeting everybody in the NFL is nice, but what does your game tape say? And for the most part, he had very good game tape in 2020 against mediocre competition. So there's been a lot of comparisons. I mean, even some of your colleagues at NBC Sports, uh, among others, have made these comparisons to Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you know, these great players. And you've covered the NFL for a number of decades now. Are those just lofty expectations that are setting Zach up for failure? Or is there is there really something there? I mean, the throw he made running to his left on in his pro day and the throw that traveled about 56 yards in the air and was dropped absolutely right into a bucket way downfield to his receiver is a Mahomes type throw. It just is. And I think it's ridiculous to say it, it's, there's no, there's nothing wrong with saying this guy reminds me of Mahomes. There's nothing wrong with that. But I think all of those comparisons have to really be um, done cautiously because, you know, you could probably find five or six quarterbacks in college football right now who can, uh, while sprinting out, make beautiful-looking throws and fairly accurate throws. But the whole thing is, as as you saw the other day with with Zach, there's nobody there. There's, you know, there's nobody rushing him. There's no, you know, the great plays that Patrick Mahomes has made, many of them have been under significant heat. And again, I'm not trying to rain on his parade at all. I'm just trying to say that this is why scouting in the NFL, in my opinion, is such a landmine. Because we can all sit here and say, oh, my God, Zach, Zach has got this incredible future and look at him and look at some of the throws he made during his season and look at his pro day. It's fantastic. But, you know, again, the biggest trait, Kyle, that if I were an NFL coach, general manager, scout, I would say I really admire, first of all, I admire how he throws. I admire his athleticism. I admire his ethos that in March of 2020, his career was in extreme jeopardy, and he did something about it. That's what I think is exceedingly important uh, with Zach Wilson. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, 
a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. He's Peter King of NBC Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter underscore King and read his work at profootballtalk.com. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about is, you know, Chris Sims, one of your colleagues has just been, he's been leading this train that Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Lawrence. And he's, you know, joined a few other people. I mean, Mark Schlereth, Joe Theismann have said it. And Chris Sims, I mean, even on Friday after Zach's pro day was just like, okay, like his tweet was, there's no comparison between his workout and Trevor Lawrence's. And again, going back to your point about pro days, they're going up against air. But you, you think about the competition that Trevor Lawrence had at Clemson. He played in national championships where Zach, you know, struggled up until his junior season against a weak schedule. Is there anything to that with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson? Is it a matter of, hey, the Jaguars have to take Trevor just because it's the obvious choice where, you know, it, to me, I think as a local guy who covers Urban Meyer at the same time as we cover these local guys in the NFL without an NFL team here in Utah, uh, I think about Urban Meyer and Zach Wilson and how fun that could be. <laughs> but, you, but you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars, is it more of just like, hey, it's a smart business decision. We can't go wrong if it's Trevor Lawrence, because even if it doesn't work out, everybody told us that you know Trevor Lawrence was the obvious number one pick. Well, I mean... Trevor Lawrence is 34 and two as a college football player at the absolute highest level of the game. He's a big quarterback with an excellent arm. Um, Greg Cosell's opinion, everybody in the NFL respects, thinks he's the closest thing to Andrew Luck since Andrew Luck. So I think this is one of those things, Kyle, where it's beauty in the eye of the beholder. Um, and I also think comparing pro days, you know, Trevor Lawrence was at a bit of a disadvantage. Uh, he had a, played with a torn labrum in his left shoulder and he needed to have surgery after that. And, and if he had said, I don't feel up to snuff, I don't think I can do this. Nobody would have said, Oh, what a, what a lazy guy or anything. You know, it was, it's admirable that he went to work out for, you know, on, I think it was March 12th, but if he hadn't done it, nobody would have thought anything bad about the guy. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know which one is better. And I respect the opinions of all, but I don't think it's weird that the no doubt um, number one quarterback prospect before this season, who went out and had a fantastic year under. Uh, adverse circumstances, getting COVID, all that stuff. Trevor Lawrence is great. 
And will uh, Kyle Wilson be better than him? You know, we'll, or Zach Wilson? We'll see. But my feeling about it is that I, uh, I don't think it's a slam dunk that Trevor Lawrence is any better. I think they're both probably very good, and we'll see what happens. So you just put out a piece over the weekend uh, for your latest Football Morning in America where you talked to Urban Meyer about Trevor Lawrence. You asked him, you know, is it any mystery that you're, you're taking Trevor Lawrence? And Urban Meyer essentially said, you know, that's the direction that we're headed down. Should we, at this point in time, stop using the pencil? We need to take out the Sharpie and just, you know, Sharpie Trevor Lawrence in at number one then? I mean, I think so. <clears throat> I thought before I talked to him that, there's 93, 95% chance that they were picking him. But after, you know, you got to watch the video too. He's got this little sly look on his face. Like, of course we're taking him. What What do you think we're doing here? You know? Yeah. So they're taking Trevor Lawrence and, and that, and now it, it looks like to me anyway, it looks like the Jets will probably take, uh, Zach Wilson, unless Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, is doing the best, uh, uh, you know, best smoke and mirrors job in a while. And and who knows? Um, I, I know I I know someone who is I think is the closest person in the NFL to um, uh, Joe Douglas. And he said, Joe is not going to tell a soul who he's picking. You know, he's just not going to do that. So um, we'll see what happens. And uh, I think one of the things at this time of year, I forget who somebody was saying the other day that, uh, well, now that San Francisco is picking third, they know who the Jets are going to pick because they have friends on the Jets staff. I Just me personally, I would be shocked if the guys on the Jets staff knew who the Jets were going to pick at number two. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. So you, you mentioned the Niners there moving up to three. And if they had their pick, I mean, let's say that they, they had anybody in this uh, scenario as far as the quarterback they want to take, you know, probably Lawrence number one. But after that, do they, do the Niners want, you know, Wilson to fall to them at three? Do you think Fields or Mac Jones is their guy at three? I think Kyle Shanahan would look at Zach Wilson and say, that'd be a great quarterback for us. But, you know, again, I I think it's likely, but not certain, you know, based on people I know um, who are close to that situation, close to the decision-making process. I think it's probably uh, more likely than not that they're going to take Mac Jones. And so, and then we'll see, I mean, there's still two really good quarterbacks left if if that's how it goes, one, two, three, because, you know, Trey Lance before this year, there were some, and then before his season, you know, there were some who thought that he was the best of all of them. And then he didn't play other than one game and wasn't very good in that one game. So, you know, everybody has cooled on him a bit playing one game in the 400 days before the draft. But, Again, this is all, you know, you've really got to trust your evaluation skills. As And and it's Kyle Shanahan for San Francisco who's going to be making this pick. 
you know, to, to it's a little bit different situation with the Jets. Joe Douglas is making that pick. Not to say that either person is going to uh, dismiss suggestions, help, whatever. Um, but if I had to guess right now, it goes, uh, you know, Kyle two, Mac Jones three, and Trey Lance four. But, you know, that's that's all it is. That's a guess. So you've got a couple quarterbacks there at the beginning. Uh, do you think that there's going to be some more movement as we look, you know, ahead towards the next three, four weeks heading up to the draft at the end of April where you see some teams, you know, the Carolina Panthers, the New England Patriots, teams that need quarterbacks try and trade up to be able to get guys like Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Here's the problem with movement now, okay? The Carolina Panthers would be the obvious team to move. Well, I doubt Atlanta is going to trade with Carolina to give Carolina a team in its division, its quarterback of the future. I just doubt that would happen. Number five, Cincinnati is a counterculture team. They hardly ever make trades. So um, that becomes problematic. And then number six, the Dolphins traded from 12 to six to get, I think, one of these great offensive weapons, either, you know, the tight end from Florida or one of the three wide receivers. I just doubt they're, you know, in that situation now, will trade down again, even if they could pick up an extra one to do it. So, you know, I don't know. I think I, I, I kind of doubt that one of those teams uh, right there, four, five, six, is going to trade. And then you get to seven, you know, the, the Detroit Lions are not taking a quarterback. So unless somebody trades up with Detroit uh, to take a quarterback ahead of Carolina, um, and it's so it's possible Carolina is, could be the team to do that too, to move from eight to seven to, to head off teams at the pass. But, you know, we'll see. Well, we'll find out in uh, about what, 30 days from now. We're yeah. uh, just under a month now from the NFL draft. He's the one and only the great Peter King. You can check his workout on profootballtalk.com, also NBC Sports. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Peter underscore King. Thanks so much for your time, Peter, and uh, enjoy the next crazy few weeks before we uh, find out where all these guys go. Hey, really appreciate it, Kyle. All the best to you.